50 years ago, agriculture saw the dawn of a new way to make hay, and it created a range of new products. But where did it all start? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. The Vermeer name is well known in agriculture, in part due to an innovation Gary Vermeer created 50 years ago. But what was Gary doing before that large round baler? And how does the company function today? We talked with Mindy Vandenbosch, Vermeer's granddaughter and now the managing director of the company's Forge Solutions Group, and with Mark Kaur, executive vice president and chief marketing officer, about Vermeer's history and where the company is headed today. And note, Vandenbosch didn't just get the job she has today because of her family connections, which she shares. Listen in to hear some secrets of success for a company working to bring the fourth generation into the family business. And why did they develop that self-propelled baler? So, uh, Mindy Vandenbosch and Mark Corr, I want to welcome you to Around Farm Progress. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. You bet. Thank you. Good to see you, Willie. It's, it's exciting today to talk a little bit about um, something you're celebrating in 2021, and that is the 50th anniversary of the invention of the round baler. You know, to be honest, I don't get all worked up about anniversaries very often. But in this case, this single innovation made such a difference to livestock producers and to a lot of shortliners that almost didn't exist because of this product. But I want to back up and ask you the first question, Mindy. What was Gary doing before he was building round balers? Yep. So Vermeer actually was founded in 1948. So the baler was invented in 1971. Um, Gary was a farmer. He grew up on a farm. Um, He had a passion for the farm. And so a lot of his early inventions, and he did have a lot of inventions before the round baler, were typically things he invented to better uh, his life on the farm and better um, and make it easier to be a farmer. And I think how he, he got into that and realized, you know, he could continue farming. But as he started building some of these pieces of equipment, he, he created an industry of, of, a, of a desire for those products in the field. And so that's kind of how Vermeer started. And a lot of those things were around, you know, irrigation type trenchers, which again, um, helping tile farmland, um, a stump cutter, which cleared, cleared trees off of land to turn into farmland. And of course, as a first original was the wagon hoist. Um, so he, he partnered with a, a wagon company in town and said, you know, it's too hard to shovel stuff out of the wagon. If we could lift it up and, and make gravity do its work, um, it would be better. So again, he was always looking at ways to make things better uh, to improve people's lives, to, to make the, the job easier for a farmer. Well, that that's fascinating. And I guess that's what kind of drove him into the, by, happenstance is not the right word, but to have a friend say, look, I may get out of the cow-calf business because I can't make hay anymore. Is that what drove Gary to build the round baler? Is that one of the reasons? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I was not born yet when this uh, was invented, but I've heard his story plenty of times and he lo- he was a storyteller. So he loved to tell his stories, but yeah, he would talk about if, you know, if someone had a passion and a love for something, for them to give it up because they don't have enough people to do the job. Um, you know, his philosophy was always there has to be a better way to do it. And so, yeah, I guess in his mind, it was how do we make it uh, less labor intensive? How do we make it something that is um, easier to manage? And so he doesn't have to give up what he loves. He can uh, get the job done by himself uh, with, with Ron Baylor. Interestingly, making the job easier to do actually turned out revolved around making the bale bigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, round bales had been around, they were little ones, but <clears throat> from the standpoint of going bigger, he didn't mess around. He went pretty big with that first baler, didn't he? 
Yeah, and if I remember correct, he talked about making wanting to make a ton, a bale that weighed a ton. Um, he talked also about wanting it to be able to sit in the field so he didn't have to move it, so it had to be round uh, or some way to shed the water. And yeah, the first the first baler was actually a 706, which is a seven foot by six foot. So um, very large. And again, I think, you know, just the way that he uh, trial and error um, and just kept trying things until it, it worked. And then, of course, the great stories of him going to county fairs and uh, doing demos and people showing up, you know, multiple days in a row because they, they wanted to see it work again. Um, so he's got, yeah, he had great stories around that. That's one of the benefits of a short line company, especially 50 years ago. You could kind of tinker with things. You could make it and break it, make it and try it again, right? I mean, that, how does that translate into product development now? You know, I think we still have the philosophy here in product develop, development, no matter what segment you're in, um, that we're okay if people fail. Um, we we want to fail fast and then fix it and keep going. Um, you know, I think there's always a fear of failing. Uh, but Gary always talked about if you're not failing half the time, you're not trying enough. Um, I don't think we're maybe failing half the time here, but definitely still have the culture and the motivation here to be um, innovative with our products. Well, I think that's important to share too, the innovation at, at Vermeer. You talked about the trenchers for irrigation, stump cutters. Again, those are all things that save labor. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, we think about labor now, right? I think it's a concern right now of labor. We all talk about even for us manufacturing, and I think uh, farmers would also agree that finding the labor is still a difficult thing. So um, I still think it drives us today in our innovation of um, even on the industrial side. How do we how do we get the job done more efficiently uh, with with whether it be productivity advantage of that machine or the labor production? Well, yeah, I think it's interesting. I was thinking about this over the weekend. Uh, I was feeding cows on my birthday, which to me is like a perfect treat. It was nice out. And uh, so I was using our, our TMR and it, it takes a while to feed a hundred and some cows with really good equipment, um, utilizing round bales and, and a TMR and, and good tractors. And I was thinking, what was that like feeding square bales every day? Um, you know, that would have been a whole day event. And I could kind of remember when I was little uh, my dad would throw me in the front seat of the two-wheel drive truck and put it in granny gear, and he would unload bales while the, hopefully the truck stayed within the cornstalk rows. You know, today, everybody would be panicked by that. But it, you know, one of my favorite stories was a couple of years ago, Mindy's nephew, one of the fourth generation, was spending a day at our farm. And we were having lunch there sitting on uh, five-gallon buckets, and he looked over to our kind of traditional-looking barn and he said, Mark, why is your barn so tall? And it took me a second and it, it, it made me recognize, well, until your great grandfather invented the round baler, barns had to be tall to store thousands of small square bales. And, and that was a, a pretty cool moment for me. But, you know, and, and I am intrigued because I, I love studying this labor shortage and kind of understanding where it's going to go. That 50 years ago, those same conversations were happening. And, and Gary saw it. And I think it's neat, Mindy, saying that he felt like if somebody had a passion for something, there ought to be a way for him to be able to continue. I think that's tremendous. Mindy, from your standpoint, you are uh, third generation. Gary was grandpa. How do you keep that energy, that innovation energy across the generations? Always a challenge for any company. How's that working at Vermeer? Yep. Um, yeah, so we have about 72 shareholders at Vermeer. Um, now being run by my brother, who's the CEO of Third Generation. 
Um, you know, and I think we, we take a lot of pride in that. Um, Vermeer is definitely, we call it an emotional asset to us. All of our shareholders have a love and a passion for Vermeer. Um, every one of us wants to see it be successful, um, even those who are not involved in the business. But as a third generation, my goal now is to get that fourth generation excited. And the fourth generation, of course, get really excited about equipment. That gets them, that gets them excited. Um, but also just understanding where they can maybe fit in, whether they're a shareholder, whether they're someone who works here, but um, that's kind of the new mission we have as a third generation is our second generation did a great job doing that for us. Um, and now it's our job to, to focus on that. And, um, and yeah, we've got, we've got shareholders who will approach a person running a machine of a different color and ask them why they're not running a Vermeer. I took my son to see the ZR5 last year in South Dakota. I went to one of the first trainings of the ZR5 and um, he's got a ride in that too. And he's, he just gets excited about that stuff. So um, we definitely have a focus. Our goal is to be a century club company, which would be, you know, hundred years, but we say we're not stopping there. We want to be a hundred years and beyond um, as a family health company. So um, definitely a focus and a, and a strategy right now from the family side. You know, it's interesting, Mindy, I, I've talked about this before, and I think I'd heard some of this I think our listeners might find it interesting. You didn't just get a job at Vermeer because your grandpa was the founder of the company. You had a little, you have a path that you had to go through. You want to share that a little bit? Yeah. And actually um, that's exactly what our family talked about not wanting happening is that I, I, you know, graduate high school, I graduate college and I show up at Vermeer and expect a job. Um, so we actually have a family employment policy we put in place in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Uh, where, where we, we have to go get our degree. Uh, we have to get three to five years of experience, uh, which is fantastic. I still look back at my experiences before Vermeer and they still sometimes are things I think back to. And then once at Vermeer, um, I shifted through multiple different areas of the business. Most of the time, more of kind of an internal focus, um, HR, finance, um, marketing, but then also spent some time uh, working on a, a sales inventory operations planning process, um, my experience before coming to Vermeer was in operations. I was a continuous improvement manager for a manufacturing company. Um, so now being in the commercial side, working in Forge, I came over here about three years ago to focus on distribution development, and then most recently moved into the managing director role. So again, I feel like all those experiences have culminated together to give me a pretty well-rounded picture of hopefully how to, how to keep working and moving forward at Vermeer. Well, I would say I was reflecting last Friday uh, was Mindy's mother, Mary, um, that's so well known in the industry, um, nearly 40 year career and, and uh, it was her kind of retirement day. And I was, I was kind of watching her walk away. I was thinking, how cool would that be to know that as she retires, she has a highly successful son, a CEO, and she has a daughter that was just selected to run one of our four business units and the one that's, you know, kind of the most iconic of the Vermeer brand. And so um, probably always tough uh, when you're a motivated shareholder and, and, um, and leader uh, to walk uh, away, so to speak, to a different, more support role. But to know that these two are in significant leadership positions and it was done the right way it has to be pretty cool. Well, I guess I wanted to ask, uh, at any time, Mindy, in your process, you weren't guaranteed to move up or move on in the company at all, right? I mean, if you had a bad year, you might stay there a while. Yeah, I mean, we, we knew that from the beginning that uh, nothing was guaranteed. And every one of us, I mean, I have performance reviews with my managers. I always have during all the 12 years I've been here. 
Yeah, I think we always knew that it wasn't a given. And, and we actually also um, look at people's potential. We, not to get in the details, we have two tracks. Yeah. So we know that there's some shareholders who aren't going to want to be upper management. And that's okay. And so we, we let them run in the lane they want to run in. Because um, if we put too much, too much expectation on them, we also could cause failure if, if they're not ready for that. Um, so we're very open with, you know, shareholders coming. We tell every shareholder, you have to come if it's your passion. If you don't love it, don't do it. Do what's your passion. And there's no, uh, there's no forcing of anybody to come back to Vermeer. That's cool. That's very cool. And your mother, Mary Andringa, has been a great asset to Vermeer as it's moved forward from Gary's start. That's fantastic. And we wish her all the best as she goes into is she really going to retire? I mean, go into a new role. Let's go with that. How about that? that also, a third phase of life, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, one of the areas, and we talk about innovation, and Vermeer is often innovated in new and interesting ways, obviously in ag and outside of ag. But of course, the very visible innovation in ag now, after 40 some years, nearly 50 years, is the ZR5 self propelled round baler. It's still a round baler, but how is that being received? You're now heading up the Ford Solutions Group. How are you guys looking at that machine and its propagation into the market and its growth? Yeah, you know, for, for the most part, I think it's been highly received. I mean, I think at the beginning, there were people who, you know, the skeptics, just like the round baler, let's see if it really works and let's see what's happening. And, um, you know, we, we definitely have dealers who are selling multiple units a year. Uh, we've got the, the person out in the field who's running one and the neighbors all want one too. And so, um, from my viewpoint, I think, you know, we're at the, a good pace right now where we're production-wise can keep up with demand, but our demand is still continuing to increase and seeing more dealers every year that sign up to be dealers of the ZR5. You know, in my, in my viewpoint, I think it's growing at the right rate. Um, it's not, we're not, you know, going too crazy where we can't keep up, uh, but we're definitely at a steady increase over, over the, the launch of the innovation. Well, like you said, I think there were people that were skeptical what farmers would want from it, but we're seeing farmers benefiting from the efficiency that machine might bring, not only in just how it makes bales. The first time I actually saw it run, I was like, wow, that thing's really moving. So that was a surprise to me. But the other side of it is the way you can manage bales right in the field. And I think that's something a lot of people don't think about. When when you look at Vermeer and innovation, um, Mindy or Mark, what do you see as how you look at innovation, how you evaluate what you're going to move forward with. What does that take? I mean, you're in the Ford Solutions Group now. You're probably seeing or thinking some ideas. What makes something move to the next level so that I might see it someday in my Vermeer dealership? You know, I think can Mark can get into to kind of more of our Forge Innovations Group. But, you know, with all products, we're looking at is this, is this next step of this product going to bring something new and different to the customer? Is it going to solve a problem? We still talk about that. Uh, what are the biggest issues that we're hearing from the customer? We need to revamp it. What are the things that we can improve upon to make it more reliable, uh, more efficient, more productive in the field, um, no matter what it is? And so, yeah, we go through the process. We do a, a new product development process that we follow to look at those things. And, and the first thing really is to vet, does this make a difference? What is the benefit? What is the, um, the, you know, the positive to the customer? And so, um, yeah, we, we still feel our culture is innovative here. We believe that our, we've got a strong engineering team across the mile who's every day looking at um, what can we innovate, what can we make different, and how do we make it easier for the customer? You know, Willie, I was just thinking about um, you know, there's those day-to-day -day things and, you know, whether it's just, you know, how do we more easily load NetWrap, you know, on a machine so that a greater range of people uh, can still 
uh, do what they love to do in, in, in bale and hay in, in a safe way. Um, so those daily innovations are, are the heart of our company. And then you know, the ZR5 come out of our, our Forage Innovations Group, which is a separately funded group by the family. And their goal is to chase things that don't exist today. And, you know, it's intriguing, you know, next week we will have a meeting with our product managers and we'll share with some things, some things with them that they didn't even realize we were working on. Um, because sometimes the, the, the pragmatic part of a product manager would look at all the headwinds um, because, you know, they're, they're challenged with how to launch a product and how to manage inventory and train and, and create some sort of a return. And so there's that nice, that, really interesting balance where you do need to chase some things that probably look like they're never going to work um, farther than, than your competition, because some of those, um, like the ZR5, are going to work. Uh, whereas, you know, the naysayers early on may have said, there's no way you can sell a baler at, at that price. So you've got to power through that. And the other thing is we're big into observation. You know, I, I think, you know, identifying a a solution before a customer knows they have a problem it, it is a mantra of ours. And uh, sometimes the very best way uh, to do that innovation is just simply observe your customers doing their work and, and what those challenges are. Even something as simple as changing the blades on a disc mower. Right. Not a little easier for me, right? No. Yeah, Gary, Gary's philosophy was always... Um, if you're not failing half the time, you're not trying hard enough. And uh, if you ever come visit Vermeer, um, there, we actually have a wall of white elephants for him. Um, and he still will talk about some of those were good ideas or ahead of, ahead of their time. He's got a, he had a couple of machines that were probably just ahead of its time. Um, but again, it's, that's where the culture came from here of, of innovation. That's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you joining me today on Around Farm Progress. Um, it's been fun talking to Mindy Vandenbosch, who's now the, uh, who's leads the Ford Solutions team at Vermeer, is a third generation in the Vermeer family to come into the business. You've been there 12 years, so congratulations on the, the role you're in now. And to Mark Kaur, who's the Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for Vermeer. Appreciate your time joining with me on Around Farm Progress. Good luck to you. And uh, we hope 2021 is a great year and congratulations on the 50th anniversary. Thanks to Mindy Vandenbosch and Mark Kaur for their insights into how Vermeer got where it is today. It all started with Gary Vermeer working to solve farm problems, and today that culture continues both on the farm and for the industrial business. You might have heard Mark Kaur tease some new ideas we may be hearing about in the future, but not just yet. You did hear Mindy discuss the fact that her upward move in the company wasn't a sure thing. Succession in any business is not an easy process, and in equipment companies that can be challenging. Yet Vermeer shareholders have developed a plan designed with the company's success in mind. That's a lesson any farm family can understand. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States with editors from the Farm Progress team and experts in our industry. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer and Feedstuffs, and the new Farm Progress Virtual Experience. If you didn't tune in to the premiere of the Farm Progress Virtual Experience, no problem. You can still visit the site to see everything. Just visit huskerharvestdays.com for a direct connection to the virtual event. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.